Hello, and welcome to MLS Benched. You can probably tell that I am very much not Joey, who is taking a well-earned break from hosting this week. Dog gets to drive the bus this time around. Riding along and offering insights into the last week and a half's matches in Major League Soccer are Andres and John. Andres, John, how are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. Excited to talk some MLS action. Yeah, man. All good here. Uh, lots of games to talk about over the weekend and, and a big slate of, of midweek games, so... Yeah, lots of games, lots of news going on in Major League Soccer, and I think that we can probably lead it off with uh, the massive news coming out on Saturday. Gareth Bale is coming to Major League Soccer out to Los Angeles Football Club. And I, I don't know how you all got this news. I, was, uh, I saw that Bale signed for LAFC, and I thought, oh, okay, writing's on the wall. That means that Vela's done a little bit of a change of the guard. Bale coming in on a TAM contract is absolutely not what I was expecting. Uh, opens up Vela to sign on a DP deal that came across in the last couple of days. Who will, and he'll be around until the end of 2023. This is going to really change the, the face of that team and really, really offer a really dangerous look uh, against opposing defenses. Guys, what do you what do you think of this move? How do you think that this uh, will look on the field for LAFC? Yeah, I'm not sure they 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 really know yet either exactly what they're gonna how they're gonna run them out, who's gonna play what side, or or who's gonna run at the nine. Um, but now you look at these attacking options, and you've got um, Vela and Bale. You assume on one side, and then the other. Um, where do they play Chucho? I would have guessed as a nine. So maybe you've got, you know, Chucho and as a nine and then Velo, Velo and Bale on either side. It, it, although Chucho's been coming off the bench a lot. Um, and then what do you do with Brian Rodriguez? And and you've got you got goals this week from Mopoku and from Danny Musovski. It's just a wealth of options that I think it's going to be. If you're Steve Chirondolo, you're... You've got to be real excited to see how these these pieces are, are going to get you know put together and fit together. Absolutely, that's uh, looking at the lineup that went out against FC Dallas last night in a three to one win. Um, you were seeing that that front three of in this case Musovski, Arango, and uh, Vela, and the thing that is going to be particularly interesting to watch for generally either Arango or Musovski ha- is pressing back in uh, or when going against possession and they get some of that, that pressure applied. I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the MO for Bale. And I'm, I'm wondering what that's going to mean for uh, some players a little bit further back the line, uh, back their line. I definitely think that this probably me- has to mean that Brian Rodriguez is going to be moving on before too long. John, do you have any thoughts on this move? Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly is in a way an embarrassment of riches, um, the rich getting richer in MLS. Um, and I, I think there's really a few thoughts that come alongside that. One, um, LAFC are, you know, prior to this move, uh, firmly uh, on top of the league. They're the only team in the league that's averaging over two points a game. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, 
worth saying that you know even before these moves were announced, uh, they they were firmly at the top. Um, NYCFC seems to to be uh, really struggling in the wake of uh, their coach's departure, and so as a result, um, you know LAFC really are have their eyes set on this supporter shield, um, and so with all that in mind, um, you know the bail signing comes in, which is is uh, almost a season defining signing. I mean, we've had some big signings this. Um, transfer window and but this 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 it's gonna be tough to talk this uh, it, it's hard to imagine a world in which there's a bigger not names signed in mls and so i mean i think there's kind of a little bit two sort of questions what does this mean for mls as a whole and then you know what does this mean for lafc um i think from the lafc point of view i think you know man how do you fit all these players on the field, everything that's already been said, I, I completely agree with, you know, I think it's a little bit like trying to jam as much talent as you can into a lineup uh, and then having the rest on the bench to sort of finish up games uh, from a league perspective, man, you have to imagine that the rest of the West and really the rest of the league is just, you know, sitting jealous. <laughs> it's hard to put it any other way. For me, for me, Matt, I'm not sure how you see it. It's really interesting from a, like a zoom out type point of view for for LAFC. This is not the type of signing that they've been, you know, kind of known for. Um, even Vela, when he came in, he was late twenties uh, and a star, and he, that's really the only one that was a real established star when he when he got brought into the team and. You think about all the other guys that they brought in, whether it's Diego Rossi or, or Andre Horta, um, then later Brian Rodriguez, even the, you know, Jose Cifuentes, and they, they've really kind of targeted these younger South Americans um, that they can try to develop, and then maybe sell it like at Tuesta, and and this is a totally different signing for them. Um, Chiellini as well of these older established stars. Um, probably on the second half or back end of their careers. Um, Kielin definitely and probably Bell as well. Um, and I, yeah, it's just an interesting change of direction uh, for LAFC compared to what they've been doing uh, previously. Absolutely. This is going to be a major shift uh, looking to the latter half of the season, but we're talking about building on a wonderful, wonderful base on that LAFC team uh, who were able to take a two nil victory over New York Red Bulls and three, one over Dallas this uh, over the last week and a half. I think it's worth saying as well that like with, I mean, this is going to sound so cheesy, but you know, to, to quote, uh, you know, just one of the most famous lines in movies ever with great power comes great responsibility, you know? Um, you know, I think this firmly places LAFC in the driver's seat of what MLS is as a brand, right? I think for a, a couple of years now, they really have been at the forefront of what the league wants to be about and who, how they want to be seen by, you know, sort of those outside the league. And, and I think that this sort of puts them there. And I think it's kind of interesting because I think if you look at LAFC's history, they've really struggled in the playoffs, right? They've had a lot of success in the regular season. They've had a lot of success at building culture. The, really, the thing that's haunted them has been those big moments, sort of success in big moments. And, you know, 
in truth, that's what Bale has historically been good at. He's been good at being big in those big moments. When it matters most, he tends to show up and lead his teams to victory. Does he have some inconsistency? Um, you know, in between then, absolutely. But in, in big moments, he's known to show up. And so um, I think it'll be interesting to see if maybe this, if this is the piece that sort of pushes them to playoff success. Um, Cause I, I see it as, I see it as a playoff signing in truth. I really do. That's a good Absolutely. point, John. And it's, and it's one thing I wanted to mention about if this is the piece, they've still got a DP slot open um, because this veil isn't taking, it isn't taking one of those spots. Um, so I think the general consensus originally was that they go for a nine um, with that DP spot. But I'm not sure that makes you know as much sense anymore. They've got so many attacking pieces. You know, maybe you use that somewhere, somewhere else. Um, maybe on a on a younger player, in you know, maybe in defensive mid midfield, or or something as you mentioned, where you know where maybe the pressure um, when they when you don't have the ball is going to change a little bit. Somebody to to support Ilié or 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 somewhere in the middle of the park. I'm not sure. Where where they're gonna go from here? Really, they're they've got depth all over the place. So it's not there's not one glaring need, but I think maybe you look somewhere other than the nine. What, what do you guys think? I the reporting was that Thornton had basically said that they are still aiming to look at a DP number nine this window, and it, it needs to be noted also this is the second major TAM contract going out from LAFC. The first one is Giorgio Chiellini who's going to be able to offer so much experience, so much of that playoff and big game uh, mentality. And I think that he's going to be hugely helpful for uh, helping develop fall as well. This is a team that's built absolutely for the right now, but I think that this development is also going to be the next portion. But if you they get a num- something... number nine in, we're talking, I, I can't say CCL favorites, but a major, major contender in the CCL as well. And, and if, if they're not rich enough, um, Eddie Segura came back last night for the first time since, you know, middle of last year. Um, and he was a best 11 defensive player of the year candidate, you know, center back a couple of years back. So, you know, they only, they only are getting stronger and, and deeper. So, yeah, I think, you know, you might have Fall as the fourth center back depending on how you rate Murillo and Fall and, and Segura and, and all that. So, yeah, just a, a real embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I, I think, I think so to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I think this is great for the league. I think this is great for LAFC. I think if you were to see any sort of negative in this, um, I, I think it would be that, man, it is a tremendous task to balance all of that talent and all of those egos in that locker room, right? Um, it's going to be tough because you're going to have a, a squad full of individuals trying to see the field. Um, and, you know, that is a, that's a big task for, for a young manager who just, um, you know, is, is still early in his tenure trying to um, sort of uh, harness and fashion his craft as a coach and what is he going to be able to do with uh, a locker room full of some of the largest talents and largest egos 
in the league. And, and um, you know, I, do I think that they find a way? Do I think that they're going to be absolutely fine? I, I do. I do. But it's worth mentioning that that's an obstacle to over, be overcome, right? And um, the other thing is that historically, people new to the league really struggle, right? MLS is a league with a lot of parity. It's, it's a league with a lot of travel. And so um, players who are not used to that do have a little bit of an adjustment period. And so um, do I think that those two factors will make LAFC a, a bad team? Absolutely not. I think that they're going to lead the league and they're going to run away with it. But it is worth mentioning those two sort of maybe not so exciting factors because sometimes those things don't get stated when, when big signings like this are made. Absolutely. We've seen some of those struggles. This is going to be a really, really good uh, test case for Gerundolo as that, as that young manager that you're talking about. Because there were questions around his ability to take care of this team when it was just Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, and Brian Rodriguez. Already great. This is far above and beyond. Uh, so, major, major news coming out of LA. Uh, and... On a good week, too, again, wins over New York and Dallas. Um, moving a little bit further upper up the West Coast, we head to Seattle, who started off the last little bit with a very, very easy win. Uh, they were able to tear through sporting with no real issue. Goals from Bruin Morrison rolled on. Um, and then get to the midweek, end up putting a ball in the back of the net within the first five minutes, but then end up losing at home to Montreal, uh, who, it has to be said, have really shown that they can adjust to not having Georgie Mihailovic. Uh, what did you guys see from either uh, Seattle's match against Sporting or Montreal win in Seattle? Either one or... or... <laughs> um, shoot, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, because they were they were you know I thought Seattle against Sporting is is what I expect from Seattle, um, in terms of just you know the quality of the the top end quality that they possess and how they can just beat teams um, and you you know you, you even saw Sporting have a little bit of the ball um, and then Seattle's just so devastating coming back the other way, the the way that they always have been um, and I thought we were in for more of the same last night, uh, you know you get the goal what two and a half minutes in from from Morris on a on a direct ball um at home unbeaten in four games and I'm thinking all right Seattle's gonna you know this is probably gonna be a cruise to another three points type of type of night and and Montreal just kind of really made it difficult for them after that and I thought Seattle played pretty poorly for most of the rest of that game and nothing really kind of uh clicked for them you know in either phase and and Montreal, you know, let's give them let's give them credit. I thought, you know, had you asked me five days ago, um, I thought Montreal were maybe in a little bit of trouble after getting you know blown out by Toronto in the Canadian Championship and and losing to ten men Austin, and they got a win over the weekend, and then they played you know pretty well yesterday even without Georgie um, and they got a brace out of Mason toy, which is really cool to see. So it, it flipped on its head and it's one of those results and performances that, you know, sometimes happen in this league. Um, but it was definitely a surprise to see. Absolutely. Um, 
looking to the Seattle side of, of this match, specifically against Montreal, their ability to turn a team over and then move the ball forward, especially looking through Nico Lidero, um, through the deeper lying Albert Ruschnack, they can hit you on the counter so incredibly quick, and they're able to play through a very, very good and very, very organized press that we're seeing in Montreal. Um, I think that this is one of the few teams that can really adapt to some of the high-press uh, systems that we see within Major League Soccer. I, I really want to see a Seattle against New York, a Seattle against Philly, who will bring that energy um, to see if this is going to continue to be the case. Now, once Montreal was able to grab one and start to play a little bit more with the ball, it did not seem like Seattle had a ton of ideas beyond that. So I'm, I'm a little bit one or concerned whether or not they have another club in the bag when teams are actually trying to play against them a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think, I think for me watching this game was interesting, but I think for me, um, the answer of what happened is, is found from the Seattle point of view is is found in, in injuries starting to pile up. Um, you know, they over the weekend they started brewing up top, and he had uh, a pretty strong performance. Um, he looked quite good, sort of running off the ball. Um, he had sort of a classic number nine goal. Um, and then in this game, they they start Montero up top primarily because um, of just time played Bruin hasn't gotten a lot of minutes over the last two seasons. And so it really makes sense to, to rotate. And then on top of that, you have injuries in other places on the field uh, in the middle of the field. You of course have the injury, uh, that's season long to Juan Paulo. Uh, but then you also now have an injury to what was his replacement. Um, and so, the middle of the field is, is a little bit of a question and they put Kel, Kelvin Rowe in there. And if you know anything about Seattle, Kelvin Rowe is a little bit of their uh, Swiss army knife. He's where they, they put where they don't, he's the player they put in a place when they don't know who else to put there essentially. Um, and he does an okay job. He does a good solid job. Um, but he certainly is not a long-term solution. And I think it showed last night. Um, they really, really struggled um, they struggled getting to second balls. They really, really struggled with Montreal's movement throughout the middle of the pitch. Um, and I agree. I, it didn't look like they had many ideas going forward. Uh, I think that that was in part because I don't really think Montero has good runs off the ball. And I think that on top of that, with you know few runs going off, off the ball up top, um, there, there wasn't a lot of um, that hardened core of a midfield um, that they usually have in either Juan Paulo um, or what they've gotten out of the youngster this season. So uh, I think that there's some questions. On top of that, they had an uncharacteristic giveaway from Jackson Reagan in the back. Um, and so that kind of led to a, a goal. And so I, I, I think that Seattle in the long run is going to be fine. Uh, but I really do think they need to figure out what are they going to do um, with this position in the middle. I think that maybe Roldan needs to come back from he's been playing in the outside i think he maybe needs to be brought in the middle to sort of solidify things a little bit but i don't know i i i think injuries are starting to pile up in seattle yeah that that injury to obed vargas is really really heartbreaking in specific or specifically because seeing his progression and 
seeing him actually play with, with other high-level professionals now, his game has developed significantly. I, I'm really, really bummed that he's no longer with the U.S. under-20 team uh, down in Honduras because I think that he could very, very well be that next big player to make a jump looking towards uh, specifically the 2026 World Cup in, in his case. Um, now, obviously, there's a decision there, too, that uh, will need to be made between whether he plays for the United States or Mexico, but so far, I think he's really going to have his, his ability to pick because I think both teams will want him. Yeah, I'm not, super, I'm not totally buying the injury, you know, situation here. I, I, I agree, you know, they are a little bit banged up, but this is a team that started both Roldans, Ladero, Jordan Morris, Albert Rusnak, Yamar, you know, knew who this is Stefan Fry. This is a team with a ton of talent and they were at home um, playing against a team that was on also on short rest, flying across across the country without their best player um, in Georgie. Um, this is I think I think Brian Schmetzer would would tell you that this is a game that they should have, you know, come in and took care of business and got their three points and, and moved on. Um, and, you know, the first goal was sort of a, a one-time error out of, out of Reagan that, that gave the ball away, although, you know, Toy still had quite a bit to do with the, with the finish. But in general, you know, Montreal really put them under pressure for most of the game. Um, and, and even the, the regulars couldn't really connect. So it happens, and for sure the injuries affect, um, and you have bad performances, but... You know, this one's kind of disappointing if you're a Sounders fan. Yeah, we'll have to see what they can do. They play at Toronto on uh, the coming weekend, so an opportunity there to try and get back on their style of play uh, on the road. Um, Moving away from the West Coast, but still standing in the Western Conference, we can run over to Nashville. Nashville had a very Jekyll and Hyde... uh, last couple or last few days uh they were able to go into uh nation's capital in dc united and win one to three on the road uh really really professional performance against a team that certainly is lacking for a little bit of quality in in dc um excited to see how they can uh incorporate their new tam signing um hernandez i believe um but Nashville, goals from Mukhtar, goal from Lovitz. A lot to like uh, in that side. Did you see much in this match? I mean, I think, you know, right now, first of all, Nashville's a, a good team. And I think um, even though they've had some maybe disappointing results and performances in general, I think we saw that from with them last year. I think they're overall a pretty, you know, they're a solid team defensively, and Hani Mukhtar is a really top-end player. And I think you saw that, you know, right now DC United doesn't have a lot to bring um, to the table. And, you know, if Nashville plays their average game and so does DC, you, you'd expect a Nashville win. Uh, in terms of specifically that game, I think you saw a little bit of what, what Hani Mukhtar is, is capable of. Um, you know, some of the some of the zigzags and ways that he gets into the 18 and puts himself in good positions, you know, is is really in the top three or four players in the league. And even, you know, DC, DC United doesn't have 
the type of you know midfield or or defensive structure right now to to stop that sort of player when he's on form and i think that kind of played out over the first 30 minutes of saturday yeah that that game last night was nothing short of um insanity right it was just pure U- us open cup um madness uh, and i think you know certainly from um a nashville perspective um, you know, they have some talent, they have, um, some wins. I, I think that under normal circumstances, you would probably, um, you know, want maybe a little bit of a, of a, of a stronger performance against an Orlando team that maybe hasn't been as successful as Nashville this season. Uh, that may be a little bit debatable, but I think that's at least where I'm at on the issue. Um, but man, it, it sure was a fun game, right? Eventually going to PKs. Um, it's a good reminder of why tournaments are just a lot of fun, right? Um, the game ends 1-1, you go into overtime, overtime leads into PKs. And um, I mean, that's why I'm so happy the U.S. Open Cup is back, right? Um, I, I think that it's been been gone for, for far too long. Um, but yeah. You have to love any match with Rodrigo Schlegel heroics. It's it's always so much better. You think back to that match against or, uh, New York City in the playoffs. The guy is just electric in in big moments. <laughs> yeah. It can be a little bit, you know, okay-ish at other times, but stepping <laughs> up big time to push this game into extra time. Yeah, hey, John, I'm glad I'm glad you touched on the Open Cup game. Uh, and this is a question for you. It seems like you. You watch some of this, and, and I'll be honest, I was watching more of the league games last night. When I see, when I see at Exploria Stadium, um, a 94th minute equalizer from Orlando, and then a loss in PKs, it doesn't scream to me bad performance from Nashville, necessarily. Did, how did you see it? Was it an okay performance that just ended up going the other way, or, or did they struggle throughout the game? Yeah, I... I think um, I think I think you just want some of that. Um, I, I think that if you're a Nashville, you know, fan, I think you want I, I think you want some some success, right? I, I think I think you're correct to sort of ask, did they play poorly? And I think I think you're right. I don't think I would describe the play as poor. I think I think I would just say that you want some success, right? They've they've been put in some solid sort of performances and, and this was an opportunity um to you know maybe find themselves in in CONCACAF next season right and so uh I, I think I I don't think I would describe them as poor I I I maybe misspoke there but I, I just think that you would expect more uh and and I don't know I guess I just have seen Orlando just be mediocre this season I mean they are they're certainly above the playoff line and they're certainly doing okay uh, in terms of their positioning on the table, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just an outside perception, um, but that's that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I've had the same kind of look on Orlando this season. I think part of that uh, having Pato out for a, quite a few weeks uh, with injury, and then still kind of waiting for Cara to Cara and Torres truly to really get up to speed in this league, which we've talked about some of the, the difficulties that it comes with, but. I would still expect more. You're playing in an absolutely intimidating arena in Orlando. I would want them to be even a little bit better. I think that if they can 
figure out some of their issues. Uh, I think specifically at the six, I like Araujo there. It'll help, but um, I I still want to see a little bit more. But, I'll just add that you know they they lost Antonio Carlos um, at the beginning of the year, and I thought. I thought he was out for a long time or for the rest of the year, or maybe he was going to make a small, you know, attempt at a comeback right at the, right at the end of the season. Um, and he actually came back uh, last weekend and got subbed on last night again. So that's a huge uh, upgrade for them. I think he was probably, or he is their best defender. Uh, and without him, they were kind of relying on, on a mishmash of, Janssen and and maybe Schlegel or I think they they brought in a I forget who who had taken some of those minutes but it wasn't Antonio Carlos who's also a you know top five level center back in the league so having him back I think is going to help them and like you mentioned you know Torres and Cara they seem to be getting more comfortable uh, and and I think that that'll help as well uh, but. In general, I think I think it's fair to say that you could expect a little bit more from their first half of the season, uh, but I'd expect a better second half than what they've given us so far this year. Absolutely. As those players continue to gel a little bit more with each other, I think that we're will. I, I'm I'm willing to say that Orlando is certainly a playoff team in in this in this uh, league right now. Um, but they do have some teams kind of nipping at their heels. Um, one in particular that I want to bring up, and I'm really happy to be able to say this because I had made the bet early on in this in this season. Cincinnati is fun to watch both for them scoring goals and also being scored on now. Uh, they were in on the weekend they had a I believe one nil victory over Orlando City in Cincinnati. Uh, and then yesterday, they have the uh, first match of the night and an absolute bedlam breaks loose. Uh, six goals in the first half, and it just looked like it was going to be a, a fire show for sure. Um, it, Cincinnati is able to open the scoring, lead 3-0, and then between the 45th and then the 45th plus, I think, 7th minute, it is 3-3 going into half. Absolutely insane. What'd you guys think of this match? Anytime you see an eight goal shootout, right? That's um, that's uh, MLS at its finest, right? Uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. It was um, it was thrilling to watch. It was it was it was exciting. Um, you know, whenever you you watch a, a eight eight thriller, there's there's no point where you're like, man, I you know, I'm really missing some high level defense here. You know, you're just excited to be to be watching goals. Um, and I think from, from a Cincinnati perspective, uh, the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're, they were able to keep up offensively with New York is, is notable, right? Um, I think, you know, we've known for a, for, for a little while. I know earlier in the season, maybe we had some questions and, um, you know, we, we might have taken a bet. and I might, I might have been uh, on one of the doubters. But I think looking back, you know, uh, hindsight being 2020, they certainly have been one of the better teams and they certainly have been quite consistent. Um, and so this is just another testament to that. Them sort of keeping up with New York in a shootout um, just sort of proves that, that they're, they're here to play and they're here to play with, uh, with, with the big boys in this league. 
Um, and um, yeah, I mean, on on the on the Cincinnati point front, exciting. On the New York front, maybe you don't want to be letting in four goals. And then from the league front, man, these are the type of games that that you want to. This is when you tune into a game uh, on a on a midweek. This is what you want to see, right? You want to see you want to see some action. So, um, yeah, super exciting. Yeah, for me, so I think I'm one of the, you know, more ardent doubters. It takes quite a bit to to convince me that things are really changing for for a team. And I started to come around a little bit on Cincinnati a, a week or so ago after after they drew Philadelphia at Philadelphia. I thought that was a really good performance from them. Um, you know, this one's not as good, believe it or not. I think one of their, you know, pitfalls is, this propensity to give up multiple goals in a game. You know, they lost the game to Montreal, I think 4-3. I think there was another 5-4 game somewhere, and here's another four goals. That worries me a little bit going going forward. Uh, but here they did it against the defending MLS Cup champions. We mostly agree it's one of the top two or three teams in the league in, in NYC. And I can't understate or I can't overstate enough how important you know, getting Brenner confident and scoring goals is for Cincinnati. It was a huge investment from them, which they haven't seen much return. And a week ago, he had no goals. Now he's got four. Uh, he he had three goals that counted and another two that didn't last night. And they were pretty well-taking goals. He had a back heel that got waved off, a scissor kick that, that counted, a couple goals from uh, around the 18. So these are... These are quality goals from a player that's kind of struggled during his time. And if they can get Acosta, Brenner, and Vasquez going all at the same time, that's one of the best front threes in the whole league. Um, and, and that's pretty different than anything we've been able to say from, from Cincinnati. So that's cool to see. I hope they stop leaking so many goals. Um, more of the Philadelphia defensive performances and less of last night. Uh, but yeah, absolute blast to, to watch these type of games. Yeah, there's there's one player who I really want to shout out specifically for maybe being one of the solutions to that that drip 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 of goals. Uh, the new six that they signed, uh, Obena Nuoboto, had a really really good start to his MLS career before the last couple or last couple days. Uh, his ability to cover ground and break up some of those attacks that growing straight at a still pretty soft center back core has been pretty massive in them having some of those good results. You know, a one nil win against Orlando is a reputable resort result, even if it is at home. Um, so I'm, I'm still, again, I'm going to stay hopeful for Cincinnati this season. Uh, and if they can, again, just tighten things up, get a few more minutes from, from Naboto, uh, I think that they're going to be a really, really solid team. Uh, the other team in this match, though, has not had the easiest last couple of weeks. Uh, NYCFC coming off of a 2-1 loss against Philly in Philly, um, and then coming into this match, they're starting to see a little bit of shakiness from Dyla leaving that team. Uh, I'm of the opinion that this is going to be tightened back up i think that there's just too much quality in that side and especially if they can get keaton parks playing more minutes again 
I think that they can get back on top of this of this Eastern Conference, but starting to be a little bit more questioned considering all of these different things coming together. Do, what do you think is coming or causing some of these issues for New York City? It's tough to say. Um, against against Philly, I thought Philly were the better team pretty much throughout the whole game, and, and NYC just didn't really have it. I think we covered Colorado pretty in depth last week. I thought Colorado did a really good job of, of frustrating them um, in terms of how they set up defensively in that match. And last night, it wasn't the goal scoring that was an issue, and they played without Tati, but they still got four goals out of it. It was, um, a, you know, on one end, really good goals from Brenner, like we mentioned, but also Cincinnati was finding themselves in, in good spots, and I'm not sure if that's not not having control of the midfield, not turning teams over as early when they're pressing. Uh, it's it's tough to tell what exactly is going on, but there's been kind of a let off or a let down since since Tyler left, which I guess you know, can be forgiven considering um, he just took them to MLS Cup and leaves in the middle of the season. You can you can forgive a team for for maybe having a little bit of a let off, uh, but it hasn't been great, and it's now four matches without a win. So they need to figure out how to how to turn teams back over like they were doing and getting their their top guys um, the ball in dangerous places. They still got Magno and and yesterday they played with Pereira. Um, usually it's Santi Rodriguez on that side. They get them the you know the ball in really dangerous areas when they turn teams over, and it seems like they're not doing that quite as bit quite as much right now. Yeah, I mean we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, where we talked about um, just some of the potential pitfalls and downfalls of what might happen when you have a change in leadership. Um, I think it is worth saying that you know Philadelphia and Cincinnati, as we've discussed, are, are not um, are not the easiest of opponents of, of what's happened in this league. And so I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to be fine. I think this ship is going to be uh, set right. Um, I just think that, you know, this is one of those things where you have a new coach, there's a change in the guard, a change in the leadership that can be difficult. That can be hard from a personnel, from a, a locker room perspective, uh, especially when you have some really big games that come almost immediately after that. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, this is something that's going to be made right. Um, but uh, certainly that seems, seems to be the only significant change that's happened, right? Dyla leaving. And so um, I, th- I think at the end of the day, you know, they have a couple still big games coming up. They have New England in two weeks. Um, but I, I think this ship is going to be righted. I think they'll, they'll make the playoffs. They'll find their stride. The, the, the players on the field, the quality that they have, in that locker room is just too good for it not to, 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 for them to find their footing. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, toss in also an open cup match against a New York Red Bull side. Who's absolutely pushing for that trophy. There's definitely been some tough matches for New York city over the last couple of weeks. So we will see they host Atlanta this weekend. Hopefully that's an opportunity for them to go ahead and get things back in order. Um, but definitely some concerns uh, going on in the Big Apple. Uh, were there any other matches that really caught your all's eyes, uh, either on the weekend or at the midweek? Oh, I think 
uh, one of the teams that I've kind of had an eye on for the last couple of weeks, and it's the reason why I ended up choosing the wrong game in the early window yesterday and watching more of the Columbus Toronto than than the NYCFC Cincy game is is Columbus because I think Columbus at the, at the beginning of last year we all thought that this was going to be you know a top team or one of the best teams in the league coming off of of MLS Cup and it didn't work out at any point during the year last year and it seemed like they were heading in that direction again with a ton of injuries um, and I think we've seen them sort of start, start to turn that around um, Seller Ryan came back into the team didn't didn't play great but it's good to see him back on the field uh, Santos is back on the is back with them and they're they're just getting Cucho in so another another win on the road to Toronto these were two teams that I was kind of keeping an eye on to see if they could uh, get things going uh, they just came off of a draw at Salt Lake uh, which is at this point a pretty good result considering how good Salt Lake's been and and then they got a win last night midweek so I I'm keeping an eye on Columbus to to maybe make a play for one of those um, last playoff spots in the east yeah one of the one of my favorite storylines from the midweek matches last night was uh, Russell Rowe who had been uh, with the Toronto FC Academy for quite a while but was let go uh, came down to Columbus and Tim Bezpachenko, the president of Columbus had talked about how their, their Academy was a little bit behind some of the other teams in major league soccer in producing these, these levels of talent. Russell Rowe starts this match against uh, his former club and ends up putting in two assists, massive night for the young man. And you got to love a, a revenge match. There's another Brampton, another Brampton kid. Seems like they're, they're all over the place now. I think for me, one of the games uh, from this last week that um, is probably a much watch if you're thinking about going back to, to watch a game um, is the one last night from Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, maybe not for like clean soccer reasons, but um, the Galaxy playing the Loons um, was just a ton of fun. Um, first and foremost, because the Loons got off to a pretty fast start after uh, a red card in the 25th minute. Um, and so they got up pretty, pretty, pretty significantly against uh, the Galaxy. And then the Galaxy um, starts to, to claw back throughout the game, even though they're down a man, and um, end up um, getting close to tying it. Um, ultimately, of course, they don't. But, um, and then it ends with um, two more red cards at the end. And so just a, just a really entertaining match, just a really um, fun, fun sort of atmosphere to watch the galaxy at home trying to claw back while down a man um definitely an entertaining sort of result don't know if you can take a lot of um uh i don't know big picture wise don't know if there's a lot of sort of implications just simply because the majority of the match was played 10 11 but um, definitely a, a, a fun one that's worthy of note i've got a bone to pick with that match how did var confirm that red card on cabral it was literally trying to jump over um, Jonathan Bond and get out of the way, uh, excuse me, not Jonathan Bond, Dane Sinclair, and get out of the way and nix him. And, and I'm not saying there wasn't contact, but it's clearly not intentional. And 
if the referee thought it was a kick out or something and calls a red, fine. Uh, but then VAR actually goes in and confirms it as if he actually was kicking out at Sinclair. It it was baffling. Unless there was some other explanation that I missed, I, I don't understand that one at all. I, I, I was trying to read through some of the um, rules regarding the use of VAR, and intent is one of those things that is just not reviewable. But still, I, I you have to find some other way to not have this end up being a red card because there is nothing in this. There, there's no way that this should have stood. There should have stood. Uh, it's it's really really frustrating because this this match would have been really exciting between two teams who were definitely struggling and, and hoping to get the best out of it. So unfortunately Galaxy gets the worst end of or worst end of it this time around. And they were already down one nothing at the point. So yeah. it's kind of like you kick somebody when they're down almost. <laughs> or very much you don't kick somebody when they're down. Right. That's the worst part. Oh man. Yeah, I mean uh, it definitely looks like he was just trying to j- jump over St. Clair, right? And um he just got called as trying to kick the head and, and maybe that's why they didn't review it I, I don't know to me var is is still like a work in progress and this feels like one of those places that maybe can be improved where like you know as a viewer it's pretty clear that he's trying to avoid saint Clair, and maybe this is one of those things that that maybe can be refined a little bit better um but i also understand that like contact is contact and we want to protect players but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It does seem like a harsh decision on both ends, right? Absolutely. All leading to a 2-3 loss for the Galaxy against Minnesota United. There was a little bit more news out of Minnesota, though, uh, over the last couple of days. Adrian Hunu, their DP striker, uh, was transferred to Angers in France. Uh, definitely one of those players that it just did not seem to ever really click for him um but it's it's nice to see the league starting to kind of get away from some of these contracts that are just not quite working they're finding ways to offload some of that uh we're also seeing this uh in dc with edinson flores which i'm i'm really heartbroken that it didn't quite work out for him but uh some interesting stuff to see from the league starting to be a little bit more um involved in the international trade or transfer market uh were there any other players that you guys are interested in seeing whether or not they stay during the summer window do you guys think toddy leaves or not that's got to be the biggest one right do you think staying or leaving the reporting at this point is that uh nycfc is asking for 15 million for him and i just i don't know if there are going to be many teams that are going to shell out for that, that amount right now, uh, unfortunately MLS is a good product, no question, but I don't think that we've had a striker that has really proven it to that degree for that amount right now. Didn't Pepe go for 20? Pepe went for 20, but Pepe's 18. Like that, I, that I think is, is the, the big difference. I mean, Tati's not exactly, you know, in the mid thirties, he's what? 25. Is, am, I, am, I, am I remembering that right? I mean, he's in prime and I'd say 23, so he's even younger than that. Oh he's, gosh, yeah. yeah, he's in prime and I'd say significantly more established than Pepe was. Um, he also does 
you know, quite a bit of other things other than score goals. He's good. He's good pressuring. Um, he can. He, he came in as a winger where it wasn't really working out for him um, at the beginning of his time in NYC. I'm I'm surprised uh, that the number hasn't been hasn't been reached. It seems like, and it, and it seems like it's not really getting anywhere close. I haven't heard any anything recently about it being imminent. Um, but I would have thought he'd be gone by. I would have thought he was going to be gone in the winter. I'm surprised it's not more of a rumor now in July either. Yeah, the I, the last major rumor that I had heard around uh, Tati was, uh, I think the last time I heard was from Fiorentina, and I I just don't see them putting out that amount. It's still just a little bit too much. I I wonder if there's not going to be some um, some room given from New York City side, lower that amount try to go ahead and work towards a transfer fee or something like that, or a, a sell-on fee, rather. I think that they just need to be a little bit more willing to work. Um, something, to, something to keep an eye on. A uh, couple of other moves that we did see out of the league, though. Uh, we have finally confirmed, or um, it finally has gone through. Uh, Matt Turner is out. And also Adam Buxa also heading to... Uh, Oh gosh, I think Nantes in France. Uh, so we're seeing some pretty major moves out of New England. Um, and it's in Flores, obviously, I said, and Adrian Hunu. And yeah, then I we're think, starting to see. Sorry, I think an uh, underrated one, if it happens, it's not a super flashy, maybe outgoing transfer because it's not in the attacking third or, or midfield. But I think if Kai Wagner goes, which has been rumored that, that he might go, I, I think that's a big hit to Philadelphia. He's he's consistently one of their best players and, and I think he's one of the best left backs in the in the league. And to replace him would be would be tough for them. So I I hope he stays at least through the end of the season, just because I like to see how teams kind of finish out their arc for the year. Uh, but if he if he goes to back to Germany that's uh that's that's a big loss for for the union i think absolutely that'd be that could be a pretty major player the union obviously right now in second position in the east and it's just a team that tends to get picked for talent because they produce so much but this is obviously one of the handful of players that they brought in to lead this team one interesting storyline so i was i was sort of taking a gander at the standings and i was um looking in, in a place that maybe we don't normally look, which was at the bottom of the league, the, uh, the leaders for the, uh, um, the uh, wooden spoon, if you will. And um, I, I couldn't help but notice that San Jose, are, are they're not last in the league, but they're one point off last in the league. Um, and the inner curmudgeon and, and grudge holder in me uh, couldn't help but be upset that uh, Mateus Almeida was, was fired. <laughs> from that team uh, and it's just sort of confirmation that maybe he wasn't the problem over there i know that he was running a sort of crazy system and and maybe that that didn't help but at least they were fun to watch um and now they're just the bottom of the league and not fun to watch you know so um <laughs> uh, yeah line to maybe revisit maybe not for very long but something to mention yeah san jose is just a a, a frustrating organization it feels like it it just it seems like there is just not quite the same willingness to put 
that effort back into the club. We see that they have so many talented youngsters. Obviously, Cade Cowell, uh, Tommy Thompson. But now they have Cruz Medina coming through. They have a couple of other players, I believe, on the uh, U-20 national team. Like, this is a team that should be significantly better. I, I like that we're seeing some really, really good domestic talent there shining, namely Jeremy Abobese. He's great, and I believe one of is either the current leader or tied for uh, lead for domestic goals. Love Jeremy, but they still need to be getting some of this talent into that first team a little bit more. And it's been a little bit of a struggle recently. Uh, I think the first couple games under Cavella were were pretty good. They've still scored or scored. They've 11 of their 15 points have been since the change. Um, and the last couple of matches have been have been tough. I think they've got a couple of matches coming up, which I think they can they can win. If I remember right, they've got Chicago coming up um, on the weekend. I think that's that's a winnable a winnable match. And then I think it's uh, hold on, I've, I've got their schedule up here in a second. Yep, it is Chicago on the yeah, weekend. So Chicago, Toronto, the Galaxy, and the Dynamo. Those are four matches that I think you could, you know, hope for maybe seven or eight points from. So I think they're. I don't. I don't see them as the bottom bottom of the league type team. I think if there's a couple of teams that are are a little bit worse. I think they'll struggle to make a playoff push, and I think that's going to be regardless of who the manager is, but. I, yeah, I still think that it was probably time for Almeida to go um, at this point, considering where where that team was going. There was they were going in the wrong direction. They were going backwards. I thought that's just that's just my opinion. It, it it had been, if I'm remembering correctly, reported that part of of this interim deal for Cavello was a little bit to see if he could make the transition to a, a, the you know permanent head coach. What do you think it would it would take over the next next half of season effectively for San Jose to be willing to give him that kind of offer? What do you think? Like do they need to make a push towards the playoffs? Do they need to be, you know, not in the spoon race? What 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 is success for San Jose at this moment? I think we saw it with Vancouver last year. They take a, a similar run, like a Vanny Sartini type end of year push from the bottom of the table to either right, you know, right above the playoff line, playoff line or right below the playoff line. I think not, not being spoon contenders is probably not good enough for, to keep, to keep that job. You saw it with Mastroeni and you saw it with Sartini. These are guys that, that get into the playoffs and in Mastroeni's case, you know, made a run. So unfortunately I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to happen for for Cavello because I think he's he seems like he's he's well liked in the organization and has some good ideas about what to do with the roster that they have. I think San Jose, unless they're unless they're enamored by the second half of the year, probably going to look to make a a splash somewhere. Definitely, some struggles continuing out of the Bay Area. Um, before we close off the show, or I guess, sorry, John, do you have anything else to add on San Jose? No, I think that everything that was said was about right. I think, I think a playoff push sounds about right. 
we'll see what the earthquakes can bring. Hopefully they can get a little bit of that Goonies back in them. Yeah. Um, I don't think they make it. Like, I, I, to be clear, I don't think they make a playoff push, but I think that that's what's necessary for him to, to keep that job. Uh, I think it's a little bit too tall of a task, but that's what I think it would need to happen. We will definitely see. Um, one other thing that we will definitely see as well, and starting not this next match day, but the following, is we are seeing a ton of talent get their full start in Major League Soccer. We are, that is when we will start to see Bale, Chiellini, Hernandez, Insigne, and Aceace available for their teams. I was just going to ask you guys, who do you think, or who is currently exciting you the most to see what they can bring to their new sides? So exciting me the most, or who do I think is going to make the biggest impact? Because Let's start with just who excites you. Who are you most excited to see in this league? So I think... From I've I've personally always really enjoyed watching Insigne play. Um, I think he's he's crafty, he's he's quick, he he gets into positions that you wouldn't expect him to be able to get to, and and if Toronto was a little bit better, he he's probably my answer in, in terms of of excitement. Um, I struggle to see how he's going to gel with that roster, which I think is super unbalanced um, in terms of where, where players are in their careers. But I'm curious. Um, I think impact, it's going to be Bale, right? You have to think this is a when he's motivated a top five or six player in the world uh, when, he's, when he's on form and, and wanting to play. And you put him on the already best team in the league and... Um, it might make for some really fun first 30, 40 minutes and some really boring last um, 30, 40 minutes when LAFC's already scored three or four goals. Um, so, yeah, those are my, kind of my, my thoughts. I am really trying to keep an eye towards Houston and seeing what Achiache brings for that midfield. I, I have been really pretty impressed with what Nagamura has built. Uh, with relatively few resources so far this season. I think there's a pretty solid young core specifically built around Coco Karaskia in Houston. And if you can just bring a little bit more creativity into that midfield, maybe it means that you have to rely a little bit on Darwin Quintero a little bit less. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting balance. And I think that they're finally starting to see some of those goals go in the back of the net for them. And I, I'm so, so excited to see what Achiache coming to that city means for getting people in the stands. Because I think this is the one of the first real good chances that Houston will have to have a Mexican international player playing for this team in Texas. I am so stoked to see Achiache. Yeah, I think what, what Achiache can do for, for that team in that market is is pretty pretty tremendous uh, i think it is a pretty big sign that that houston um you know is 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 trying to turn the corner um i i think on the flip side of that i think it's so hard to just not be excited and ecstatic about bale being in our league um i think especially him being on a team with the type of service that he will be receiving um and with vela in it for the long haul um I, Man, I, I think I think it's gonna be fun. I mean, I you gotta think all the way back to when 
um, man, Zlatan um, started his first game, right? And the, the game that that was, and the game that that will always be um, just against, um, you know, LAFC and the Galaxy. And, and you got to hope that, that Bale sort of has some similar moments, right? And he adds to the ethos of what LAFC is, and he adds to the, the ethos of what El Trafico, that rivalry is. Um, I think that from just like a pure like league perspective, it's hard to beat Bale. I mean, I think that he just brings eyes on our league that wouldn't exist otherwise. Um, and I, I think it's because he's going to score some pretty tremendous goals. So I'm pretty pumped. And I, I have to give it to the MLS uh, script writers. Probably the best decision could have been having rivalry week be the first week that a lot of these players are available. The first match that Bale and Chiellini are available for LAFC will be against uh, the LA Galaxy. The first match for Insigne and Crescito coming from Genoa will be against Montreal. And the first match for Achiache is against Dallas in the Copa de Tejas. Lots to like, lots to be excited for in the upcoming matches. Um, but I don't know. Do we have any other matches or any other news that we'd like to touch base on? No, there's two more matches tonight, which are which are both pretty interesting. Um, it, we've got Charlotte and Austin, uh, so a battle of a battle of the two most recent teams to come into the league. Uh, Austin, who's who's holding their own, you know, third or fourth in the in the West almost every every week, uh, and Charlotte, who's who's I think over overachieving, and then we we've got Red Bulls in Atlanta. Which in 2018 was the battle for for the all-time points record and 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 probably two of the best teams this league has ever seen. Uh, Atlanta's trying to find form again. Red Bulls coming off a, a tough loss to to LAFC, but but near the top of the East. Both pretty interesting matches to see what comes out of. And then two more days, and you've got the weekend matches again. So it's fast and furious right now. We're definitely hitting the the thick part of the schedule. It's going to be really interesting. I'm definitely keeping an eye towards that Charlotte Austin match because uh, Charlotte, I believe has not yet lost at home and to see who is going to be the first team to come into that space and, and knock them off is going to be quite the, quite the spectacle. They lost their, um, they lost their home opener. To I take it back immediately. <laughs> I no, apologize. They, they lost their home opener, but the against Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, short-term memory. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that game as well. I mean, I think, um, I mean that's because I'm a Charlotte fan, obviously. But um, yeah, they're they're coming off a, a rough sort of loss to Montreal, and it wasn't rough necessarily uh, for for something that a lot of people might know. But they they went into Canada with a pretty limited lineup, basically over half of their significant starters were out due to health and safety protocol. And so um, it, it, you know, I, I think that this team will be itching and raring to go. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many players are available and, and what that sort of means. Um, they're still, you know, uh, in, in the, the early stages of, of what it, life looks like uh, past um, MAR. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the, the, two, to the two new kids on the block bring tonight for sure. So we're like five minutes from kickoff, I just realized. So lineups are out um, for that Charlotte match. It looks pretty much 
pretty close to to first eleven. Uh, Shinyashiki, Ortiz, Swiderski, Bronico, Bender, Josviak, Awful, Rujo, Walks, Fuchs, and Kalina. So, not bad. Well, and Fuchs, um, Josniak, and um, Swiderski haven't been in the same lineup for almost over a month and a half. So, I mean, that's, that's a really, really big sort of key point is that Charlotte's been doing a lot of this uh, in the midst of a lot of their key players sort of being out and about, whether injured or whether on the international break. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the, the, the full package looks like. On, on Austin's side, it uh, looks like Rudy's out. Hosen's getting the start, and I don't see Rudy on the bench. And Danny Pereira's on the bench, and he's replaced by Felipe Martins. So that's interesting. The last match that he played, he, he got the red card. I wonder if that's Josh Wolf kind of coaching up one of his, one of his young players. Definitely one of the players that I think is in the race for that Rookie of the Year contender. Uh, I believe he came out just the last season's draft, no? This is his second year, right? This is his second year, okay. So, still, a, a young player who's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think he's been pretty good for most of the year, but it seems like he's maybe struggling for form right now, that the red card against Montreal wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, in terms of not just that he got it, but the way it went about kind of some unnecessary fouls leading to the yellows. So I wonder if this dip in form is is a reason for Josh Wolf to kind of maybe have him take a, a breather and a step back and, and find his form again. Well, definitely a lot to be excited for looking into the next few matches. We Leave this podcast with LAFC leading the Shield standings, Montreal newly on top of the East, uh, DC United bringing up the back end for, for the wooden spoon, but Sporting Kansas City falling behind on points per game. So many more games to come, a whole nother half of a season. Uh, but until next time, enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game. We'll catch you next time.